Hi, thanks so much for joining us. We've talked of restrictions, easing one day and then getting tighter the next. It's hard to imagine, isn't it, things going back to normal. In fact, many people are saying it will never quite be normal again. But what will the church look like in the coming months and in coming years? We actually want to talk to that uh, this this coming Wednesday night, the shape of things to come and and the the form that that church is going to take on in the future. this i can I can guarantee and I want to encourage you with this. We will gather again. we will. We will come together again. It might look a little bit different. We may have to get a bit creative, but we will come together again. That fellowship that we we so enjoy and that enriches our lives, you're going to experience it again, I promise you. I say that on the basis of God's promises to us, on the basis of, of what it means to be church, but also even just looking back throughout church history. Whenever pressure has come upon the church and, and forced it to, to take on a different form, it has always reformed in accordance to God's will and God's plan. And we'll do that again. We will do it again together. And, and many of the things that you love about being a part of God's family, you will experience again. We want to talk over the next th- few weeks about the essence of church. What does it mean to be church? about the function of the church and about the form of the church as well. And again, we will we'll talk about the, the shape of the church um, in future days. But, but this morning, I want to talk about the essence of the church. And, and I'm drawing from a very familiar passage to us, John 15. Now, I know that probably doesn't come as a surprise, but God's word is, is, is alive and active and, and it speaks to us again and again and again. And I, and I pray that there's something in what I have to say this morning that will encourage your heart as, as well. The, the vine was a very important symbol for Israel. In fact, it was the supreme symbol of, of Israel. Back in, in Herod's, Herod's temple, the temple as Jesus understood it in his day, it was built in this beautiful white marble and, and beyond a, a large colonnade which would surround all of the courtyards, you would then go into the court of the Gentiles you would then go in to the, the court of the women, the court of Israel, and the court of the priests. And then finally beyond that was the holy place in which the Holy of Holies was. Well, as the priests would go into the, the holy place, there was a large gate, again, done in beautiful marble. And, and over that gate was a large golden vine which, which hung from the gate. Not everybody, of course, could see it, but, but everybody heard about it and heard of its splendor and its beauty. And it was there as a reminder of who Israel was supposed to be. Psalm 80 talked about Israel being a, a flourishing, beautiful vine whose branches would reach out missionally to the nations. Of course, it failed to be that. But Jesus picks up the image once again of the vine and he reinterprets it. And he uses it again to uh, talk about the people of God, his, his church. And so here in John 15, we, we have an image of what does it mean to be a part of God's family, God's people, his, his church. And, and I've chosen um, to, to stand in, in, well, I don't know if you could call this a vineyard, but, <laughs> but there, is a, there is a vine here. And, and it seems a funny season, doesn't it, to showcase 
a, a vine or a vineyard in in winter. Um, it's it's a time when when plants and definitely vines are well, they look rather dormant to be quite honest, and and they don't don't look like much at all. And yet, um, winter is a very very busy time for a vine keeper. Maybe not this one, but but a real vine keeper. Uh, winter's a very, very busy time. There's lots of pruning to do and cutting back and, and reshaping the vine so that it's going to run along the trellis nicely and getting it ready for spring, summer, and then, and then harvest come autumn or fall. In John 15, we, we have a very beautiful promise, and that's what I want to focus on this morning. It comes to us in verse 16, actually, right towards the end of this, this little little narrative about the vine. And it is, it is this. Jesus just reminds his disciples, you didn't choose me. But then emphatically, he says this, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. What kinds of fruit? Effective prayer and, and, and a love, uh, uh, an unconditional love for others. That's, that's the promise. I have chosen you and appointed you to go and to, to bear fruit. Well, firstly, what does it mean to be chosen? Well, Jesus is talking there about our fundamental identity. We've been chosen. We have been elected by him, for him. Um, you notice the uh, in the overview, the first few verses of, of John chapter 15, uh, Jesus is outlining who's who. God is, is like the gardener. Jesus is, is the vine. And we are the various branches. Notice that in this image, we aren't all vines. I'm not a vine and you're a vine and somebody else is a vine. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And it's a wonderful image because there is a, a sense of, a collective sense in which all together we, we help make up the vine. We all help make up part of the, the body that is, is Christ Jesus. Jesus is the whole of the vine. And we are the various branches. It's a lovely collective, collective sense of, of what does it mean to be the people of, of God. You cannot be a part of Christ's church if you are, as it were, broken off and apart from Christ himself. Likewise, if you are a part of Christ, you are a part of his, his church. That's who you are. That's your fundamental identity. That's the calling on your life to belong to Jesus Christ. That's Romans 1.6. You have been chosen. It's a beautiful promise, isn't it? But then you have not just been chosen, but you have been appointed as well. This talks about your position in relationship to God. You have been chosen and appointed. There is, there is a point at which you connect with the rest of the vine, with Jesus Christ himself. This is talking about our position relationally to God. This is talking about life with God, a great definition of discipleship, life with God, life with God. That's what you have been appointed to. What is the one thing a branch has to do? Simply remain in the rest of the vine. That's what it is appointed to do. 
If it does that, it does everything that it needs to do. It doesn't have to strain or strive to produce fruit. It just remains connected to the rest of the vine. That's its job. That's its appointed task. Remain in the vine. The, the, rest, the rest will come. Or how do we spiritually do that? Well, firstly, remember who you are and then walk in that. We sometimes say, don't we, that we need to walk on earth as we are known in heaven. So know who you are in, in heaven. Know your fundamental identity and then walk in that. Wow, how do you do that? Well, again, remain in the vine. We have this, this unprecedented connection with God. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, prophets, priests, patriarchs, kings, they, they long to have what we now have, this, this connection with, with God. And so we just need to walk in that, remain in him, stay in him, dwell in him, abide in him. That is, that is what we have been appointed to. How do we do that? Well, Jesus says that when you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will bear fruit. And so, so as we remain in the vine, a little bit like the, the life of the vine flows through the branches, when we remain in Christ, the life of Christ flows through us. The mind of Christ his instructions for life and for godliness, they too are available to us through this unprecedented access that we, we now have to, to God. And his spirit indwells us to administer his word to us. God's, God's word are his instructions for life and, and his spirit guides us and, and empowers us to live that out. Notice in chapter 15, it's all about the vine and you wonder, well, it's interesting. In the analogy, the, the Spirit of God is not overtly mentioned. But in chapter 14, Jesus is talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then the other side of chapter 15, chapter 16, he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 15 sits right in the middle of this. It is all about life in the Spirit, you see? Life in the vine is really about life in Jesus Christ through the agency of his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God can be trusted to guide us and empower us. Then in the following verses, 9 through to 16, Jesus is giving us an example in all of these, in all of these matters. I want you to remain in me just as I do in the Father. I want you to keep my commands just as I keep my Father's commands. And, and here's, here's a really important command. I want you to love one another just as I have, have loved you as part of the fruit. And so life, life in the vine is about remaining and keeping God's, God's commands, keeping his instructions. And of course, his, his spirit is going to help empower us to do so. So you have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit, fruitfulness. That's, that's God's purpose for you. It may feel, there are times in life, it may feel that, that you are quite dormant. There's not a, there's not a lot on, on the branch. But that's just a season. It's a time in which God can do a, do a wonderful work of, of, of training and reshaping the vine and getting it ready for, for fruitfulness. Much fruit, an abundance of fruit. Sometimes 
the pruning and cutting back looks quite brutal, but it will produce fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is God's purpose for you, for me, and indeed for his, his church as well. And it's missional. Um, it is talking about uh, people coming to faith for the very first time, but it's also talking about the work of the Spirit in your life. And it's also talking about it, actually every expression of grace that the Holy Spirit uh, is appointed to administer. It's everything that God does in, in the world. When we come to, to spring and to summer and we, we look at a flourishing vine, it's interesting, isn't it? The first thing that you notice is, is the, the lush foliage on the branch. And then if you were to, to pull over uh, your car and, and hop out and walk over to, to a vineyard, you would, you would study the, the foliage and you would start to see fruit as well. And, and eventually you would see that ah, it's all connected to the branch and the branch is connected to the vine. But ultimately... It'll work something like this. You'll see the foliage and the fruit and you'll say, what an amazing harvest. Ha, that must be some vine. And you'll look at the trunk of the vine and see, yeah, look, there's a solid old, old vine there that is, that is just obviously flourishing and able to produce all of this life. So for your attention will go from from the harvest to the vine that is producing it, and then ultimately as you gaze over the whole vineyard to the vine keeper himself. And that's what verse 8 is saying. This is to my Father's glory, to the vine keeper's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing that, that you belong to this vine, that you belong to Jesus, to Jesus Christ. And that's the whole point. God will ultimately get glory from the fruit that he produces by us remaining and abiding in Jesus Christ. What sort of fruits? Well, fruit such as effective prayer. Uh, because the instructions of God will be, will be in you, they will remain in you because, because you are no longer slaves or servants but you are now friends because you know the master's business because you know the very mind of of god well you will be able to ask in jesus name for for anything that is within god's will and he'll do it he'll do it and you'll know what to ask for because christ himself will tell you that will lead to effective prayer one of the first fruits of abiding in christ is effective prayer and then one of the second fruits, listen to me, verse 17 there is, is love, love for one another. It's also fruit that you can see on the branch that is abiding in the vine. When we think about a blessing, there's, there's different ways to pronounce it. We can sing it, we can pray it, we can say it. Um, we were singing it a few weeks ago, weren't we? The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. We can, we can speak that out. Sometimes at a dedication, we might do just that. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. And we can, we can speak out a blessing as well. Well, I would like to, to speak out a blessing over you. I really would. And it is verse 16. I want to take Jesus' words, and if you'll receive them, I want to speak it out over your life. Maybe you're feeling um, a little dormant. Maybe you're feeling like, oh, the church doesn't look quite like it should. In my life, everything, everything looks a little bit disconnected and discombobulated, and I want to speak a blessing over you, and I want to speak a blessing over our church as well. 
Would you let me do that? Here it is. You have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. It's the calling on your life. You have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. Can you hear that? I trust you can. Hear the Lord Jesus himself speak it over your life today. You have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. It doesn't matter what has happened in your life. It doesn't matter what we're going through at the moment. It doesn't matter about life's disappointments. It doesn't matter about your failures. Frankly, nothing matters except the promises of God. And here's his promise to you. You have been chosen and appointed for fruitfulness, for a fruitful life. Remain in him. God bless you. Um, Thanks again so much for joining us.